Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. You know the drill. Stand to your feet. Those of you watching online, go ahead and stand up right there. Get out of bed. Come on. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, it's so important that we understand the power of words. Uh, some people say, well, why, why do you do that every Sunday? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And that when you open your mouth, it doesn't say go to the base of the mountain and think about it. It says speak to the mountain. And too often our words are opening doors that we don't want open. And it's leaving doors closed that we could open by using our words. And if you grew up in a very traditional church where, uh, you know, you, you were taught to love God and, and, and respect God and live a, a, a moral life or whatever it might be, that's great. But the reality is what we didn't understand back in the day was that our words were giving shape to our future. And you can actually create your own attitude by the words that you speak. In other words, circumstances are always going to be a part of life. You're never going to be able, God, don't let anything else happen to me. Don't let anything bad happen to me. Don't let anything that, that's difficult. God, change my circumstances. I had a conversation with a young man last night, and I was just walking him through this. I said, you know, you could pray that your circumstances change all you want, but if this one changes, you're going to have other circumstances. How many of you know they just keep coming? So the idea isn't to change the circumstances, but God changed me and make me able to address the circumstances in a strong, redemptive way. And so what happens is that many people live by the letter of the law, and when they live by the law, they think that the law is going to produce fruit in their life. The law is not what produces fruit. The law points out the need for Jesus, and the Spirit of God is the fruit producer. That's why it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of the law. So it's very important that we understand the power of His Spirit and the power of His Word and the power of our words. You see, legalistic people who don't understand grace go around their whole life trying to do good. And I love that, but not one of us is that good. How many of you ever just woken up and, and you're, you just got this fog or you're angry or you're frustrated and, and, and it gets on you, but you want to do good and, and if you, all your goal is to do good and be good, you're going to be disappointed. But if your goal is to obey God, then you'll never be disappointed because God will tell us what to do, where to go, what to think, how to do it, what to say. God wants to participate in our lives. And so I want to be good, I do, but I know the only way for me to be good is to allow the one who is good to work in and through me. And so that means I have to obey, and I don't always want to obey. There are knuckleheads in the world that challenge my obedience every day. And if you have kids, I'm not saying they're knuckleheads, but let me tell you, they resemble them. 
It's like, what were we thinking? You weren't. You know, the Bible says be fruitful and multiply. If I, I mean, I think I want to multiply by one. It's tough. You know, life, life is not easy. So the, the reality is if we can understand God's grace and not fight every battle and allow him to fight the battles like Jehoshaphat did, just praise God. Your enemies will turn on each other. They will flee. But the problem is we are so uh, in control with all the immediate things that we have available to us, computers and, and all the apps and everything else. If every, I saw a meme that said if, if, if we realized our, our brain was an app, would we use it? Because that's all we're looking for is an app to take care of whatever it is we need taken care of. We consider your brain an app and begin using it. It will change your world. So turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. And I'm doing this series entitled Grace Anatomy. Grace Anatomy. You know, it's so easy to get frustrated with other people without realizing that other people get frustrated with us. Isn't it funny how sometimes we get in our own little cocoon of thinking everybody else is an idiot but us? Oh, I'm sure none of you have had that problem. You know, and I just, I, what I've realized is when I think somebody's frustrating me, there's a really good chance I'm frustrating somebody else. So when you realize that, what you realize is we all need grace. And there are people that do things that you wish they wouldn't do and they affect you. That's a good effect right there. This is out of the Message Bible, Galatians chapter 3. Paul says, you crazy Galatians. See, that really resonates with the type A personality. You crazy Galatians. You foolish Galatians. This, he's getting their attention. He's letting them know something is not right in Galatia. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you. How did your life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Pause. Because most of us, that's how, it, that's how it began. But he's pointing out, in a moment, that's not how this works. Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete... By their own efforts, what was begun by God. Now, let me put it this way. When I got born again, I knew I was a mess. I knew that I needed help from God. But guess what? Then I started going to church all the time. I, then I started serving. I started doing really good. And over time, the God that I was so desperate for before I got born again and finally got born again, I just kind of put him on the bench and said, I got this. Why? Because I learned how to be good. I learned how to be religious. I learned to do what the church said I ought to do. I cut my hair, and now I don't have any, and I think it's the church's fault. I should have never listened to that theology. 
But I, I began to learn how to follow God. But over time, rather than allowing Him to lead me or being led by the Holy Spirit, I began to lead Him. I don't know that any of you have ever had that problem. I said, God, I got this. And God says, you don't got anything. I mean, when you get up in the morning, all we can do is get on our knees and say, God, I'm as desperate for you today in all of my goodness as I was in all of my worseness. I made that word up. I think. But I don't know how else to put it. I'm from Berry Hill. Anyway, so we, we, we don't realize religion creeps up on us. Legalism creeps up on us. We don't even realize we're being that way. All of a sudden, we get mature in God, and we begin to look at other people's behavior that are acting like we did when we were younger in the Lord, doing things crazy, as Paul's saying to the church at Galatia, and we forget that we were just like them, and we begin to judge them and measure them instead of saying, God, thank you that we all need grace. We all need grace. Thank you, Lord. I know they're being crazy right now. It's what Paul's saying. He's using the word crazy. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. Answer this question. Does the God who lavishly provides you with His own presence, His Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you could never do for yourselves? Does He do these things because of your strenuous moral striving or because you trust Him to do them in you? I've been pastoring a long time. And I've heard so many stories of, why did this happen to me? I'm a good person. I've really never been bad in my life. And I'm thinking, then why are you hanging out with me? Because I've been everything that you say you're not. But we all come to that same place where we need Jesus. And here's, I'm going to read this to you because if, if I don't, I will mess it up. Okay. I wrote this down. It was actually pretty good. See if I can find it. Let me give you this quote. A friend of mine quoted this, Coins. If you think that God's primary goal for you is that you be an example for moral goodness rather than a trophy of His grace, you'll never be honest about your deepest sins, struggles, or secrets ever. You'll always feel the pressure to pretend you're better than you truly are. That was a screenshot, baby. You see, what social media does and has done to us is it's caused people to create their own persona the way they want you to see them. I mean, I've seen posts that I had been with someone. This is a long time don't because everybody thinks I'm talking about them. I'm not talking about you. You're not here, okay? Where I know they're struggling Things are not good. But on Facebook, everything looks great. And I'm thinking, hold it, just last week you were ready to kill your husband. Well, not really, but but he's. I get this. He's so wonderful. He's so beautiful. He's so marvelous. He's so everything. I'm thinking, tell him. Quit telling the world. 
I don't need to know how much you love your spouse. You tell them how much you love them. What you want me to believe is that you're all of that in a bag of chips. Because you're the man who says, honey, I was sitting on the floor watching you sleep. I was caught up in your breathing. And you're hoping to heck she wakes up and she doesn't, so you have to wake her up to impress her with you sitting on the floor adoring her when last night you couldn't stand her. Okay, I'm being a little extreme. But I think I have to be extreme for us to see how ridiculous we are in trying to pretend that we may not be who we show ourselves to be on social media. I told you guys about a year ago, I really felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, you know what, my word is the only word that does not return void. Yours does. (laughs) So I quit doing my word. I have some pretty cute things to say. I'm just saying. They're pretty good. You might even like them. I might even get more friends. Who knows? I might even get 516 likes. And that makes your day better because you said, 516 people liked what I said. Now all of a sudden you think you're a phenom. No, it was a mistake. They thought you were somebody else. I'm going to read this again. If you think that God's primary goal for you is that you be an example for moral goodness rather than a trophy of His grace... You'll never be honest about your deepest sins, your deepest struggles, your deepest secrets ever. You'll always feel the pressure to pretend you're better than you truly are. It's just easier to tell people you're a stinker and then when they leave, they go, he wasn't that bad. (laughs) Than to pump yourself up and go, well, he thinks he's all that. That's how come I'm just going to start telling people I'm 85 and they're going to think he looks really good. It's my new approach to aging. There's always a way to turn things around and to have joy in your life. So, the law depends on, get this, this is important because what we're talking about, what what Paul's addressing here is, let me go ahead and finish this. Don't these things happen among you just as they happened with Abraham? He believed God. And that act of belief was turned into a life that was right with God. His belief, not his works, is what created his righteousness with God. Because the Bible says there's not even one righteous, not even one. But then in the New Testament it says we're the righteousness of God in Christ. So the only right standing any of us possess is because of our position in him. And he made a covenant with us. He made it possible for us to receive salvation, grace, and mercy based on a promise. Everybody in the world has the very same promise. Every one of us. The Bible doesn't change from one continent to another, one nation to another, one person to another. The Bible is consistent across the board everywhere it's red. God made a promise. And last week you heard me say <clears throat> that legalistic people say, accept Jesus, obey him, and you'll be saved. Now that sounds really good. 
That's, that sounds so religious. Accept Jesus, obey him, and you shall be saved. Well, yeah, everybody, we jump on that, but that's not true. There's a major flaw in that. It should read, accept Jesus, be saved, and you will want to obey him. Because your flesh and my flesh and our human nature does not want to obey. When the Bible says forgive, who wants to forgive? I want somebody to get paid back. That's my flesh. My flesh goes, sick him, God. And then I've got scripture to support it. You said vengeance is yours, Lord. Get her done. Isn't that the way we feel? Now, some of you are going, not me, never. Liar, liar, pants on fire. When somebody hurts you, when somebody does something wrong to you, you have the very same emotions, if you're honest. But see, if, you, if you're not honest, then you're going to pretend that you're so good that, that, you know, I don't think that way. I don't feel that way. You're pretending because you do. If somebody comes up in the lobby and slaps you on the cheek, you don't begin a Holy Ghost dance. Hallelujah. No, your first response is, I'm going to take you out. Don't you ever hit me again. That's what we do. Now, you would be dumb to stand there and just keep taking it, but it's not like you, you've, got to, you've got to work on forgiveness at that point. And, and you say, well, I'll forgive them when they apologize. No, you won't. Because an apology is, is for them, not for you. You have to forgive whether they ever say they're sorry or not. You have to walk in love even if they walk in hate. The challenge in our world today is we're paying back evil for evil. When somebody's mean to us, we're mean to them. Why? Because that's our defensive posture. Instead of saying, God, I'm going to heap coals on them. I just want you to know I love you even if you hate me. You want to irritate somebody who's already angry and make them more angry? Tell them you love them. I know, I'm starting to fight. The law depends on the promisee. The spirit of grace depends on the promisor. So, let's just say I have $1,000 over here on the drums. And I just look at you and I say, look, there's $1,000 that's yours. Now, don't get up and come look at the drums because it ain't there. But the story would go, I promised you that $1,000, and it's right there. If you come and get it, it's yours. What do I have to do? No, no, nothing. I promised you I would give it to you. The law says there's $1,000 up here. If you will sweep the floors, straighten the chairs, and turn out the lights, you can have the $1,000. Now, the onus falls on the promisee, not the promisor. If you do what you're supposed to do, you get the 1000 But if I promise you, then that's on me without doing any work whatsoever. That's what God did when he sent Jesus. He said, I promise you that if you just simply call on my name, in other words, step up and have faith, I promise you you'll be saved. Religion says, no, you have to get up and you have to sweep the floor, straighten the chairs, turn out the lights, and then you have proven to me that your works are enough for me to accept you. Your works, my works, are never enough for God to accept us. We are sinners at birth. Every baby born today is seven pounds, nine ounces of ungodliness. Eight pounds, ten ounces of sin. 
Now, you don't like to hear that because babies are just so cute. Yeah, until it's 3 a.m. and you haven't slept in three days. They cease to be cute quick. Why? Because they're full of sin and... <laughs> Feed me, change me, love me, hold me, like me, give me birthday presents. <laughs> Yeah, that's Christianity at its finest. And you know what? Some people never outgrow that. You still want a birthday party at 50. Like, that's a big deal. You live to be 50. Whoopee. <laughs> so we're supposed to be impressed, and we have these big parties. And I think it's great to love people and celebrate them. I do. But, but it's grace that you get celebrated. But we don't think so. Because we live 50 years, bless God, we deserve it. And then you got people who are 70 who think they can act like children because I've lived longer than you and I can talk this way. I deserve it. I've been on this earth a long time. Yeah, and you're still as dumb as you were at 16. (laughs) You owe it to me. Have you ever heard that one? You owe it to me. I raised you. I changed you. I Glowed you. Now I can be mean to you. Never deserve that right. Grace has no meanness to it. If it did, we would all be ashes right now. God would have destroyed the world. So what I try to get us to understand is that grace is so incredibly important to every aspect of life. Last week, I talked about the prodigal son. And that's still connecting the story where the prodigal son understood who he was and who he wasn't. The older brother didn't. The older brother said, I was born first. Under the Jewish law, I get everything when daddy dies. Can you imagine being daddy and having a son like that? I'd be having somebody taste my food for me. He wants his inheritance early, you know. And so people like the older brother don't understand that you have nothing to do with the blessing of God except obedience. I have nothing to do with the blessing of God except obedience. I don't deserve it. It's like a lot of people say, well, I've been good. Surely I I deserve a car or I deserve a new house or I deserve a job. I deserve a promotion. That is a legalistic mindset. It was said that a man went in to apply for a job. He'd been with the company a long time. He was very experienced, very skilled, knew a lot. And so this big job opening that he had wanted almost since he came to the company opened up. And finally, he got to interview for this position. When he went in to interview, rather than being honored and saying, thank you for the job that you have so graciously given me all of these years, and you've taken care of my family, and you've given me insurance, and and you've been good to me, and I just want to say thank you, and I would like to give back to this company, and I feel like if I'm in this position, I can do that. I would appreciate that opportunity. Now, doesn't that land on you pretty nice? If, if I'm a boss, I'm thinking, you know what? This is a good guy. He gets it. He respects the company. He respects the job that he's been given. But instead of doing that, what he did was he began to explain how he was better than the other applicants, the, the other people that were going to be interviewed, that he had been there longer, he knew more, and he began to point out their flaws and, and tell the, the, the hiring committee all the things that they were doing wrong and why he would be so much better than them because, after all, he had never been late. He did all of his jobs when he was supposed to. He had been a, a star employee, and he began to let them know that. 
Well, when the job finally was concluded, the, the interviews were concluded, and they gave the job to someone else, he was angry. He was frustrated. He, he went to the, the boss and said, why didn't I get it? And the boss explained to him, because all you did was run somebody else down. You didn't understand that I don't need someone in this position that's going to act that way. You see, it's not always about just how great you are. It's about how awesome God has been and how thankful we are. Understanding it's grace. It's grace that you have the job that you have right now. You say, well, you don't know what job I have. It's grace that you have that job. Your, your boss may be Satan's twin brother. But you're there and you're getting paid. And if you don't like it, respectfully walk out. But whatever you possess right now, it's grace. The home you live in, it's grace. Oh, no, I've worked hard for this home. It's grace that you had the health and the life to work that hard. But I deserve it. You don't know what I put up with. No, I know what Jesus put up with, and I don't think you can match that. See, we understand if you put everything in light of that, you'll be a, a person that wants to obey. You'll be in love with God instead of going around telling everybody how great you are and how much you've done and how hard you've worked and how you deserve this. And when somebody tells me I deserve something, I say, no, I don't deserve anything but hell. Thank God for His grace. I don't deserve anything. I, I tell you, I, I, everything I have, every breath I draw, everything I, everything I drive, and it ain't much now, but it used to be, and now I look back and, man, I had a stall full of horsepower and I went it takes just a little bit of awakening to go I'm just so grateful I'm saved I'm grateful for what I have I'm grateful for everything that God is doing it makes life so much better when you can just be happy you know people who are legalistic are never happy have you ever noticed that they're always mad always comparing always competing I get around people and I say I can't compete with that I don't even want to I don't even want to try when somebody starts talking about themselves like the older brother of the prodigal, I've been with you all these years. I've slaved. I've been every. I, he started telling his daddy everything he had done. His father, who was God in the story, you've always been with me. Everything I've had's always been yours. He didn't know that. He thought that everything the father had had to be worked for, and he had been working for it. But now the little brother got the calf that had been getting fattened up. You see what I'm saying? I hope you get this because this is so absolutely incredibly important. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe, not those who work. Modern day might go something like this. I made good grades in school. All these years I studied hard. I deserve a car. No, you don't. I've worked hard. I deserve. No, you don't. See, this really gets honest, doesn't it? It gets real quiet right now. Well, you know, I've, I've used that. Anytime somebody says, I deserve something, that's a conversation changer. If you're an A type, if you're a C type, it's a con conversation lever. A type A will challenge you, and it won't be pretty. And it's unnecessary, too. I just walk away. <laughs> that's a conversation I'm not having do that some try it sometimes it's so empowering somebody starts gossiping smile and go 
That's a conversation we're not having. Don't strut like that, but it, it's kind of for effect. <laughs> I've never had an overdraft in my bank account. I'm so good. I changed the oil in the car that you loaned me when I went off to college every 3,000 miles perfectly. I came home from my dorm at college on time, even though you wouldn't have known if I came in on time. These are the kids' things. You see, the, the law binds us. It binds us. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see. Listen to this. So that they will praise your heavenly Father. Not you. So they will praise your heavenly Father. Most human beings, most of us, if not all of us, but I leave a little space for perfect people are very insecure. And if you can't acknowledge you're insecure, you're really insecure. We all have insecurities, things where we feel like we don't measure up. We're not as good as someone else. That, that we don't ever talk about them because we're uncomfortable with them. I decided some years ago that I was going to turn my focus on the inside of me and see what was in there. Oh, dear Jesus. I look like a hoarder in my soul. And I began to extract and throw things out. And I, I finally got to the bottom of things where I went, you know, I've been my own problem all of my life. I've gotten in my way more than anybody else has ever gotten in my way. And when you realize that, guess what? That means you don't expect someone else to fix what's broken. And that means now I can have grace on everybody else because I understand that it's grace by which I'm not only saved, but by which I live. And now, rather than expecting you to be who I think you ought to be, I expect me to be who God's called me to be. That means love never fails. So if you think you can offend someone, that's a, pro that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just tell people, I, 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 you, you can't offend me. You might tempt me to get irritated, but you can't offend me. Why? Because I choose to not give you the power to offend me. See, we live in a world that's in a country that says there's supposed to be freedom of speech. And yet we're telling people what they can and can't say. Now think about this a moment. I'm going to go extreme on you here. There's not freedom of speech if you can't tell me what you want to say about me as long as you don't violently touch me or hurt me. Why? Because my soul, I'm responsible for what goes on in my soul. And if you don't want to be offended, you choose not to be offended. So, well, they were offensive. They can be offensive without you being offended. If you understand grace, you look and go, wow, they're having a really bad day. To not like me is to not love God. what the Bible says about Christianity if you don't love your brother how can you love him so for me I just look and go wow you're really having some struggles with Jesus himself aren't you 
And you know, it, it doesn't, we don't get here overnight. We, we don't get here overnight. If we did, it was a really long night. I mean, it's like a long night. You just don't get here. God accepts us not on the basis of our performance, but on the basis of what Jesus has done. The opposite of a life of grace is a life of works. Here are the symptoms. A loss of joy. How many of you have ever seen people that go to church, your neighbor goes to church, and they're as mean as a snake? But they'll invite you to church. Mean Christian center. <laughs> Where gossip and anger are a prerequisite to serving. I don't want to be a part of anything like that. Another symptom is a life of strife and pressure to constantly perform. An unhealthy consciousness of other people. You are so concerned about what somebody's going to think about you that you shift into performance mode to get them to like you. But if you get them to like someone you're not, then you have to live your life being someone you're not. Think about that pressure. Okay, who was I to them? How was I supposed to act? Oh, who was that? Who were we with? Oh, I got to be this way. I got to be that way. I just decided finally I'm going to be me, and I rejoice in the fact that not everybody's going to like me. Isn't it fun? You think he's sick. No, no, no. I had COVID two years ago. I'm good. I had it when it wasn't Vogue. <laughs> it's trending. An unhealthy consciousness of people. Are they working harder? Are they better than me? Failure to enjoy life. Everything is measured by hours, things, and works. There's your law. You can never keep it. You can never keep it. I'm just going to use driving because driving is probably my number one thorn in the flesh. Your vehicle has a thing on the left side of the steering column. It's called a signal switch. When you're turning right, you push it up. When you're turning left, you pull it down. Seems like a simple thing, and that it shouldn't bother anybody, but it was put there for a reason. And the law says if you're going to turn left, push down. Hmm, novel idea, difficult. If you're going to turn right, push up. Oh, my gosh. And some of you don't do that, but you're not lawbreakers because it's just a turn signal. It's only the people going 80 and a 50 that are really evil, not you little turn signal people. You're much better than the guy who drives 30 over the speed limit. But what you don't realize, knucklehead, if you'd have had your signal on, somebody could have pulled out, and you would have had traffic flow and made it better. But you're just a turn signal person. We speeders, we're worse than you. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. Well, probably enough on that topic. But you won't forget that example, will you? 
So the next time you're riding with your spouse and you know you're turning left, remind them. Push down, honey. It's a little switch on the column. Help somebody out. Well, probably ought to close on that note. You know, I think one of the reasons I like to laugh and have fun is because it keeps me from taking myself so seriously. And some of you are very serious, and you, you pride yourself in that. You think you're special because... You're so serious, and you're really solving the world's problems, and those of us who laugh don't have a clue. Enjoy your life not. You see, the Bible says laughter is good medicine, and I promise you as long as I breathe, there will be clean laughter. Like I said, I watched some comedians, and, and you literally would have to be drunk and or high to even want to laugh. It's such an easy job. They serve them free drinks. They stand up and shake their head. Bobblehead. Amazing. Anyway, we do pump uh, air in here and oxygen for you. I'm just kidding. Some of you go, I thought I felt better when I came in. going back we get free oxygen cheap treatment in mosaic <laughs> no we're going to give god some glory up here here and say it was just his presence that made you float on in yeah you like that don't you yeah okay let's pray god you're awesome and we love you so much not because we have to not because you make us, not because you're mean if we don't, but because you're awesome. Whether we do or don't, you're awesome. So, Lord, may we embrace the grace that you've made available to us and realize that good works are just good works. They don't make you love us more. They don't make you do more for us. You're the promisor. You've always and always will extend to us every blessing in heaven. Not because we're good, but because we believe. And God, because we believe, because we understand grace, we simply want to obey. We want to love you. We want to do what is right. Not to impress you, but to receive everything that you have. With every head bowed, every eye closed, it really just simply begins, folks, with making Jesus the Lord of your life. I tell people all the time, when you pray the prayer we're about to pray, you will not change your personality. Matter of fact, you probably won't change much of what you do or how you live for a period of time, if ever. I think you will because if you really understand that nobody's good enough, to receive Christ and nobody's bad enough to not receive him that this is 100% grace then you're going to get what I'm talking about that this is a prayer of faith in Jesus it says I want the grace of God 
salvation of God. So pray this with me, all of you watching online, all of you in here. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I know I'm forgiven. Amen. Now, immediately the human brain goes, I got to stop this, I got to start that. Well, you don't got to, but you want to. <laughs> All of a sudden, I want to do right. All of a sudden, I want to obey God. All of a sudden, I don't want to do what I was doing. Now, doesn't mean you're going to stop. Doesn't, and you know what? When you do it, the devil will come and say, you're not changed. You just prayed a prayer. You're not changed. You can just, if you want to talk to him, you can. If you don't, don't. I just say, shut up. Try to remind me of my history. I'm fixing to remind you of your future. And yours ain't pretty. Mine is. If you prayed that prayer to recommit your life or to give your life to Jesus, text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Come on, do it right now. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Right now. It'll change everything for you. Okay. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.